Hello, and welcome to the Self-Sufficient Hub podcast. I'm Carl from selfsufficienthub.com, and I'm here to talk about all things self-sufficiency, all things homesteading, and about how we can reduce the gap between our consumption and our production. Sustainability and food security matters. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 455 of the Self-Sufficient Hub podcast. I hope you're all safe and well. Today is our four things to do before the end of June episode, and it's my birthday today as well. Happy birthday, me. Um, as a result, I'm actually going to be rebroadcasting last June's 4x4 instead of recording a new one because I'm under a little bit of time pressure this week. So I'm going to hand you over to last June's 4 before, but we will be ending this episode with our draw for the Country Cook cookbook by Philippa Davenport. So if you are a patron, make sure you stick around to see if you've won that. Right, over to me last year. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 201 of the Self-Sufficient Hub podcast. I hope you're all safe and well. Today we're going to be talking about four things to do before the end of June. So it's this month's 4 before. We're getting them in right at the start of the month this month. So you've got plenty of time to get them in. And as always, I will put a post up on the Facebook group for you to share the things that you're doing to tick off your 4 before checklist. It's lovely when you join in and come along with me and I'll be sharing my results there as well. So June, we are definitely feeling the summer here in the UK. It feels like it is summertime and it's come just in time for June and we've got some reasonably high temperatures for us. Now, I understand that a lot of you guys out there will be living in vastly different climates than I do. So when I say it's nice and hot or warm and I say it's only 20 something degrees, that might seem not particularly warm to you. But for me, it feels like the start of summer as soon as it gets above 20 degrees. And we're above, excuse me, we're above 20 degrees today as I record this. And most of the subsequent days over the next fortnight are going to be the same. So it's with that change in weather also changes the sort of things that we're doing in the garden. So one of the things that I want to start with, the first in our fall before for June, is to mulch. Now, mulching around our plants, particularly in our vegetable bed, is going to be really, really useful at this time of year. It's going to provide some cover for that soil which means when we do have the lovely warm dry spells that soil's not going to dry out so easily it's going to make a tremendous difference to your water retention so particularly thirsty crops like courgettes and beans they're really going to benefit by having some mulch around them now Mulch serves lots of purposes. It's also going to act as a weed suppressant. But at this time of year, you know, the main reason I look to it is to help with that water retention. Now, that doesn't mean you need to worry about, you know, suddenly it being too wet there. It's not going to add any moisture to the soil. It's just going to stop it evaporating off from the top layer. And, you know, when you've got that hard baked 
top layer of soil, when it's been out in the sun and exposed and it gets all crispy and hard, it's going to avoid that and it's really going to help your soil stay nice and healthy and be available with all of its nutrients for your plants to take up. So when it comes to mulching, you can use pretty much anything. You can use cardboard you can use uh, you know cut up into strips pieces of paper but perhaps easier to get hold of and more readily available certainly to some of us is wood chip wood chip is my go-to mulch it's the one I use almost every year and again as I've mentioned on this podcast several times it is available for free from lots of different sources I've actually released a YouTube video fairly recently about free wood chip and where you can get it so perhaps go and check that out if you're in Interested. But like I say, wood chip, I think, is a fantastic mulch because not only is it going to act as a mulch, but over time it's going to break down and feed your soil as well, as are some of the other things that we're going to talk about. So grass cuttings, you can use grass cuttings as mulch, anything organic, really, that you can add that's going to break down over time but is going to add that layer of something like a little blanket on top of your soil is going to be suitable you can also use straw the only thing I wanted to say about things like grass cuttings and straw and particularly hay I certainly wouldn't use hay because they're going to contain all the seed heads and if you are cutting a piece of grass that has got really long and has gone to seed and then you're going to use that, I would avoid that because what you're basically going to be doing is you're going to be introducing weeds. You're going to be introducing lots and lots of seeds, basically grass seeds, onto your vegetable bed, which you want to avoid. And I think I've been the victim of this. I've got one little patch I'm not sure how big it is, maybe a metre squared, which is just coming up with loads and loads of grass on my vegetable bed. And I think I must have put some hay down there earlier in the year when I was protecting my crops from those frosts. And uh, I think that I'm paying the price for that now. So I would definitely avoid hay. But other than that, like I say, any kind of organic mulching material, if you wanted to go a little bit more upmarket of course you can buy things like bark mulches and all sorts of options from garden centers and the like but for me it has to be free and wood chip really does fill that gap so get some mulch on your garden like I say particularly around your thirsty plants they're really going to benefit from it I personally like to add mulch as well and sort of I consider that part of my composting cycle so when I add mulch I'm going to add compost on top of that mulch next year to plant into but that mulch that wood chip is going to effectively compost itself under the ground so that's the first one of our four things to do before the end of June mulch some of your vegetables next up covering up our soft fruits now you don't have to limit this to soft fruits you can cover up anything that's going to be attacked by pests particularly birds we're thinking with this item because our soft fruits and here the ones that we're thinking about predominantly here at my homestead we're talking about cherries we're talking about strawberries and raspberries and also our blueberries and we've got these growing in a real mix of environments so our cherry tree is a standalone cherry tree in the middle of our back garden our raspberry canes are all growing in rows next to my grapevine in our perennial bed our strawberries are in a big strawberry bed and they're growing straight on the ground and finally our blueberries we grow in pots so we need to look at several different solutions to protect these if we're going to now when it comes to cherries 
what you can do is just take a really small piece of netting and kind of bundle it up around the cherries that grow in the clusters on the end of the branches and you know tie it with some string and you basically just capture a big bundle of all those cherries in one little ball of fine netting and you can use anything for this you can use cheesecloth or you know anything that's going to allow the light to pass through it because you still want the light to be getting on all your fruits to help ripen them so like I say, a piece of cheesecloth or even at a pinch, you know, a really light fabric of an old T-shirt or something, but something that's not going to block out all the light. You know, you don't want to wrap them in a piece of plastic or, well, that, that's also going to have other problems. If you were to use clear plastic to let the light through, you're still going to get all sorts of other problems in there with mildew and moulds and things. So you want something that's going to allow the light and the air to pass through. And like I say, with cherries, you want to form these small little bags. You can actually buy them online purpose built so that's one or just another one that's literally just come into my head you know the sort of bags that people use in their washing machines when they want to put things in I, th I don't know if you use them for the washing tablets the powder the powder tablets where they've got like a drawstring a little bag a, a little net bag with a drawstring sounds perfect to me for cherries when it comes to our strawberries what we tend to do is just net the whole bed with some really fine netting. But another tip that I've heard, I've not tried it, so I can't actually, you know, state whether or not it works. I, mean, I can't comment on the effectiveness of it. But a little tip I've heard is that if about now, or preferably a little bit earlier, before your strawberries had started ripening, if you got some small stones about the size of a strawberry, painted them red and put them, just scattered them around your strawberries, what's going to happen is all of the birds are going to come and think that they're seeing strawberries come and check them out and try and take them away try and nibble on them realize they're stones and they're going to lose interest in your strawberry patch i would love it if anyone tried that and let me know if they found it successful it is something i keep meaning to try but i never think about it until it's a bit too late really but that's something else you might want to try. Next up is our raspberries. Now our raspberries are growing on canes. So again, we tend to net the whole row of canes, but we're able to do this because we've got our big trellis right next to it with our grapevine on that we can kind of drape our net down from. Otherwise, we'd have to build a separate structure. I suppose you could use the same principle for the cherries for the raspberries, but I just think and I might be wrong here, but I just think that the, the way the canes grow, they're a little bit less resilient and a little bit less strong than my cherry tree. And they might not put up with the additional pressure on them, but uh, maybe that would work just as well. And finally, our blueberries. Now, our blueberry bushes, they're quite robust. So we tend to just wrap the whole thing in a net if we're going to protect them. And we uh, would use something really lightweight and we just bring that right down round over the pot. We don't tend to protect our blueberries because we grow them literally right outside our kitchen window. So two things about that. Firstly, they're slightly less visible and slightly less attractive to birds. We don't tend to get many birds on the plant generally, although obviously they'll come when the fruit's ready. Of course they will. But the second thing is because they're right there, we kind of see them and they get picked the second that they're ripe. So we don't have that issue of getting to the bush a little bit late. Now if you are going to net all these things you should also try and check your netting quite frequently because you can get little birds and amphibians and things caught up in the net so it's quite good if you can check it quite regularly to free them or dispatch them if it's gone a bit too far. But uh, 
there you go. That's the second one of our four things to do before the end of June. So the first one is to mulch where required and where you can. And the second one is to cover your soft fruits. Hi guys, I'm just very quickly interrupting the show to say please consider supporting it. If you'd like to consider supporting this one-man operation, there's lots of ways you can do it. One of the easiest of which is just to talk about it, to share it online, on your social media pages or with friends. By growing this audience is one of the best ways that we can actually ensure that the show is sustainable. If you'd like to support it more directly, then please consider becoming a patron. You can do so by going to patreon.com forward slash self-sufficient hub by becoming a patron you help me to achieve things that i'd love to be able to do in the future such as buying better equipment to increase the quality allowing me to pay myself some time to spend on the podcast again increasing the quality of it and also paying for things like transcription and show notes if you would like to do that please do consider going to patreon.com forward slash self-sufficient hub thank you Everything you do to support this show is really appreciated. Now, next up is we're talking about composting. And this is a really good one for June. And it doesn't really matter whether you're in the Northern Hemisphere or the Southern Hemisphere, because what I'm talking about is managing the moisture in your compost. So again, you know, I've spoke that we're going to get some really nice warm days for a couple of weeks now with very little rain in the forecast. So your compost is at slight risk of drying out. Now, if it dries out, it's not that all hope is lost. It's fine. It will be absolutely fine. It's just going to take a lot longer to decompose. And if you've got, if you're trying to hot compost and you've got all of that microorganisms activity going on inside your composting and it completely dries out, then it's going to set that right back and you're going to have to start from scratch. So turn your compost. It's a really good time of year to be turning your compost, particularly if, you know, you want to have it turn over quite quickly and become compost quite quickly. But the other thing that I'm going to suggest is to consider putting a cover on it. Now, a cover on your compost can serve two purposes and it has to be looked at with an idea of sort of managing the moisture so it's not something that you can just do and think right I've covered my compost that's great we're done you want to cover your compost if you've got really dry hot weather and you're worried about it drying out but equally and this is where it works elsewhere in the world even in June if you've got a wet season you want to cover your compost to stop it getting too wet you want that balance between too wet and too dry so that all of those microorganisms can get in there and do their job and you want to create a really hospitable environment for them and if it's too wet then you're going to get problems if it's too dry then you're going to get problems by using a cover and it can be anything it could be an old piece of tarpaulin it doesn't even have to be waterproof just something that's going to cover it and give it that little bit extra protection so that if you're getting lots and lots of rain some of the rain's going to run off of that cover and if you're getting no rain at all it's going to to help to keep that moisture inside. Now, if you are getting very, very dry periods, then you might even want to think about pouring a bucket of water on your compost. You know, the last thing you want it to do is dry out. So don't be shy about adding water if that's what you think you're going to have. Now, here in the UK, even though it's our summer period, we tend to have a, you know, a rainy season and that rainy season lasts for about 360 days of the year. It's, uh, you know, we don't have any 
period of the year where we would reliably say it's going to be very dry. So it is a bit hit and miss, but I know, as I've said, you know, looking at the forecast for the next couple of weeks here in the UK, we do look, at least where I am in the southwest, to be having some really nice, lovely dry weather. Now, that means we have to take up the role of nature and make sure that everything that needs to be moist is, and that includes our compost. So definitely spend a minute at least thinking about your compost and whether or not it needs a little bit of attention with a cover or maybe some moisture added. Finally, the last one in our four things to do before the end of June is to support your plants. Now, there's a vast array of plants out there that might need supporting. We Almost all of us will be growing tomatoes and mine are just at the stage now. My biggest tomato plant is about two foot tall and it's at the stage now where I need to get in there and start putting some supports in. Now, it's no good just putting in some canes. Tomatoes, they're not climbers in the same way that peas are, where they're going to attach themselves. You know, you're also going to need to attach them with some string or some clips or whatever it is you're using. And the same would apply for raspberries. If you've got this year's raspberry canes that have grown up nice and tall, again, you're going to want to tie them in and make sure that they are supported. You want the structure there for them to effectively climb up, but they're not going to do the climbing themselves. They're going to ask for your help. And, you know, if we step in and give it to them, then we're going to be rewarded with all of that lovely, lovely produce. Now, some other things will obviously do their own climbing. We've got beans and peas. Many of the climbing varieties are going to do their own climbing, and all we need to do is give them a support. So that could be a wigwam or it could be a wall. You know, we... What we've got at the moment is we've got something I'm referring to as the Great Wall of Beaner. It runs all along the back of my main vegetable bed. And we've basically got lots and lots of bamboo in there. Basically, each one forming a triangle and then one big, long stretch of bamboo running all the way along the top. And we've just tied that together with string. But however you construct your bamboo or stick wall, then, you know, you're going to want to make sure that your plants are actually getting up it. So occasionally I will go and check on things like my peas, who, which may have sort of fallen a bit lopsided away from the cane that I've assigned them or that I want them to grow up and I might have to just grab them and you know very very gently try and encourage them to grab hold of the upright that I want them to grab hold of now we use bamboo here because we grow it in the garden so we harvest bamboo every year and obviously that's a great way of doing it but if you don't then you know you can form these pea canes out of anything you like you know anything straight so whips of wood Hazel's really good, Willow's really good because they both have a lot of flexibility in so you can form different shapes. But, you know, there's stuff out there that you can find without having to pay for it, I'm sure. So that's the fourth one in our four things to do before the end of June. So running through them again, mulch your vegetable bed if you can. And there's an awful great range of things that you can use to do it with. Cover your soft fruits. And again, you've got all sorts of choice there. Next up, compost. Just check your compost to make sure that it's not going to dry out. Possibly add a cover or add some moisture. And then finally, support your plants, the plants that need it, that is. So 
those are the four things to do before the end of June. I'm going to be trying to do all of them before the end of June, and I will be posting my results in the Facebook group. Please come along and post yours there as well. It's great to see the level of activity in the Facebook group. It's really picked up, and there's more and more people joining all the time, and it's fantastic to see you there, guys. I've got a tiny announcement as well, is to say that on Sunday, this Sunday coming, I will be doing my first ever YouTube live and that will be going out at 12 noon UK time. It would be awesome if a few of you guys could pop in and say hello and uh, you know pending the results and see how we get on see how many people can make it then uh, you know we'll be doing them every week. The time that we do them every week is up for debate we'll have an iterative process of seeing what works for people but if there is a time you can or can't do then please do let me know and I'll try and accommodate as many people as I possibly can. But this Sunday's time is set. That's going to be noon UK time. So you'll have to check for your time zone. Thanks for listening, guys. And I'll speak to you really soon. Cheers. So all that's left to do is our prize draw for the Country Cook by Philippa Davenport, which we'll be giving away to a patron. Before I do that, I just want to mention that I will be releasing as well this weekend a additional supplemental 4B4 for December, which is our out of sync, six months out of sync, Southern Hemisphere listeners special episode that will be coming out this weekend you're probably familiar with that by now right as I draw a name from the hat and it is Sean Meenan so uh, Sean thank you so much for your support as always you have won the country cook by Philippa Davenport if you could please send me an email with your address to selfsufficientcontact at gmail.com I will make sure that this finds its way to you thank you so much as always to all of my patrons and everyone else who supports the show in all the different ways and I will speak to you next week thank you, bye bye this episode of the Self-Sufficient Hub podcast was brought to you by our patrons you guys are awesome if you'd like to support the show there's lots of ways you can do it the easiest of which is just to like and review it wherever you get our podcasts you can also tell somebody about it whether that's on social media or just face to face with a friend who you think might benefit from it but however you support our podcast we really really appreciate it if you'd like to become a patron please consider doing so by going to patreon.com forward slash self-sufficient hub However you support the podcast, it's listeners like you that make all of this possible. Thank you ever so much for listening, and I'll speak to you really soon.